Well, this is the beginning of Holy Week, and today is Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday signifies a very important time on the Christian calendar because it was the day that Jesus came into the city of Jerusalem with great fanfare before his crucifixion. They had high anticipation for who Jesus would be. The people were excited about him. The palms were going down like a red carpet treatment for him. They saw him and had the hope of him being this great leader. And that's exactly who he would become. But he would become a leader in a way that they didn't anticipate. They wanted him to be the leader of Israel as a king sitting on a throne. But he would become the king of our hearts. He would become the savior that all of us need. Why did so many people follow him? Why were they so excited about him? Why were they listening to him? Why did they believe in him? That's a great question. And wouldn't that be an awesome title for a sermon series, don't you think? That's a great question. Jesus knew the importance of his message being believed by the people. So it was important for him to live in such a way where they would believe his message. But we have a message to share. And it's important for us to be believable as we share our message. One of the biggest reasons why people don't become Christians is because of the people who claim to be Christians, who don't live a Christian life. In fact, many times people who claim to be Christians give Christianity a bad name, and they say, people will say in the world, if that's what Christianity looks like, I don't want to have anything to do with it. Heard that before? People are labeled as hypocritical or whatever label they're given. We need to make certain that we are living a believable life. So, why would people believe me? That's a great question. And that's what we're going to be learning about today. We're going to be, we're going to be learning about living in such a way that people would hear a message that can radically change their lives. There's a name associated with it. It's called being credible. So that's the first place I want to start with today. To be credible. To be credible is to be capable of being believed. So are people capable of believing you? We're going to get right into this by looking at number one on your outline sheet. It makes this statement. It says, I should desire to live a believable life. It should be my desire. Why? We should have the same desires that Christ had, and Christ lived a believable life for some very specific purposes. And we hear the reasons why he lived and wanted to live this believable life through the words that he had to say. We find this in the book of John, chapter 12. So I want to read that to you right now. The Bible says this, Then Jesus cried out, Whoever believes in me does not believe in me only, but in the one who sent me. The one who looks at me is seeing the one who sent me. I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. I should desire to live a believable life because of this reason. I want others to believe in my God. So on your outline sheet, let's go ahead and fill in that statement. I want others to believe in my God. That's exactly where Jesus was. He wanted people to believe in his Father. He said this in verse 44. When a man believes in me, he does not believe in me only, but in the one who sent me. 
We should be like Christ in this and to know that when people believe in us, they believe in the one that we represent. So who do we represent? Whoever we represent is our God. Is God, the creator God, our God, or is someone else our God? We all have a God. We all represent someone or something that has become the most important thing to us. Whatever is most valuable to us, whatever is most important, is our God. So how do we know? How can we see this? How can we tell that about other people? There's some really easy giveaways about it. One is this. What is most important to us, we spend our time doing. So we can just look at our calendars and see, what am I spending most of my time doing? Obviously, it must have an importance value in my life. Quite possibly can. Another way is this. What am I spending my money on? The way we spend our money, we invest in things that are important to us, that are valuable to us. So our money and our spending habits often give us an indication about what is most important to us. Also, how I use my abilities, what I spend my time doing to help advance, or what am I trying to protect with my resources and and my efforts? What am I trying to promote through my, my efforts? What am I saying to other people is most important about me? Not only do we see that about ourselves, but other people see that about us. That's who we're representing. It's our God. So is it God, the one who created us? So why do Christians choose for God, the creator, to be our God? The reason why we choose him to be our God is because he's the one who gives us what we want. He gives us our desires. We're all created. He created us and he created us with these innate desires And because of that, we're constantly longing for those desires to be fulfilled. So what are they? Let's write them down on your outline sheet. We want to be valued. All of us want to have a sense of value. All of us want to feel loved. We want someone to love us. We want someone to care for us. Here's the deal. We want a God who loves us back. That's what we're looking for. That's the reason why so many people who make material things, possessions, whether it be a house or a boat or money or whatever it is, those people who make those things their God have a really frustrating go of it in life because those things don't love them back. I mean, when's the last time your house gave you a big old wet kiss, right? It just doesn't happen. Material things don't do that for us. It's the same thing with other parts of life. It might be I'm living for power, right? My authority, my position. I get into a position. Our positions don't love us back. We keep trying to get things from the world that make us feel valued and that love us, but they don't love us back. But God does. If you're excited about that, say amen. He meets that desire. That's what we're looking for. That's why we chose God. There's another reason. Second, we want to have purpose. All of us want to have purpose. All of us want to have a sense of significance. We feel best when we help others improve, not when we improve ourselves. Let me say that again. We feel best when we help others improve, not when we improve ourselves. Now, that doesn't mean we're not supposed to improve ourselves. Obviously, we're supposed to get better at who we are. But we improve so that we improve 
other people, that we're better at helping other people. Not only do we find our value in being loved, but this is what we determine about our life. We find our sense of significance in showing love to other people. That's our purpose. We receive love from God that he shows us, and we in turn turn around and show that same kind of love to the people that we know. We want their lives to actually be better. It's about giving. It's not about getting. But the world's about getting. And so many things that people turn into their gods in this world, they look at and they think, it's going to make my life better. It's going to improve my life. But the problem is, that's not where we feel the best about our life. And it's always lacking because of that. Until we figure out it's about the giving, it's then that we find the true answer about who our God should be. There's a third thing. This is so important. We want to have hope. Every person needs hope. Hope is about the future. It's not about the present. In fact, we might be going through difficult times and say, man, things are going really hard right now, but I hope things get better, right? That's a future thing. But we need to be able to have something to place our hope in to help things be better. If we're trusting in ourselves to deal with circumstances that are bigger than we can handle, we lose our hope. If we say money is the solution, but money can't solve my problem, I lose my hope. We say if I get to a certain place of authority, and if I get in that position, it's going to make all my problems go away, and it doesn't make my problems go away, I lose my sense of hope. It didn't make things get better. What we need is someone who is more powerful than anything that we face in this world. So when health crisis comes, we have a God who's more powerful than any physical disease. If you're excited about that, say amen. If there is some, some situations that's going on through a circumstance that we have no power to change, we know there's a God who is above all circumstances, who can change things. And here's the greatest thing of all. Even if death comes and the hardest of things in this world comes our way, we know this isn't all there is, that there is a heaven in our future. Amen? And that's what gives us hope. That's why we choose God. My money's not giving me heaven. My position's not giving me a heaven like that. My this, Whatever, that's what I'm looking for. And that's why we've chosen to make God our God. Actually, it kind of makes sense, doesn't it, when you think of it that way? It, it makes common sense that we would need a God like that in our life. Why else should we desire to live a believable life? Let's write down this statement. Not only do I want others to believe in my God, but I want to bring light into a dark world. Actually, we just learned about purpose and that we're to have purpose. And this is our purpose. Jesus said it in verse 46. I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. He came to bring light into the world. And that's what we are to do. He wants you and me to bring that light into the world. And we do it by bearing the fruit of God's love. We do it by helping people feel valued, that we do care about them, that we do want to do things for their benefit. They feel these things because of our behavior and what we've done for them. 
If you want to know why people so were, were so excited about Jesus and were, were following Jesus and threw the palms down for him coming into the city, yes, they were hoping for a great king, but what had he, what he, been, what had he been spending his time doing? Valuing people. He was doing things for the people to show that he cared about the people, ministering to the people, and it got their attention because they knew something different was, was there about this man. So what was he like? What did he do? Because whatever he did, I need to do. Well, let's put it into some practical statements. First thing I need to do is this. On your outline sheet, I need to spend time with people. Why? Because Jesus spent time with people. I show love to people. I bear the fruit of God's love when I'm actually with people. You're worthy of my time. And when I give someone my time, it makes them feel valuable because we are willing to give them our time. And it's not just the people who are good people. It's the people that the world would say are bad people. I mean, when you look at Jesus, isn't that what he did? Jesus spent time with people who weren't considered to be the good people. The thief like Zacchaeus who stole money from people and he goes to his house and the people are like, you're doing what? You're going to hang out with him? Or the adulterous woman, right, who they wanted to stone and Jesus is spending time with her, talking to her, encouraging her. What is up with all of that? I'll tell you what's up. Those two people needed the love of God. They needed to know that they were valuable. And they figured it out because Jesus was willing to give them their time. It makes me think about my own personal life to think about who am I giving my time to that the world would say are bad people. Am I spending time with people who need to know the love of God that can change, radically change their life and what they're living for? Am I giving them my time or am I avoiding people because they're going to be a bad influence? Isn't that what we're told our life? Don't hang around people. They're a bad influence. If you're dealing with a temptation and this person is going to tempt you with something that you're tempted with, do not hang out with them. You hear me? But we're not struggling with all temptations. I don't struggle with all temptations. Some people struggle with things that I don't struggle with. They're not living a lifestyle. They're doing harmful things. And I'm not going to feel any temptation whatsoever toward this. I need to spend time with those people who are in the midst of that sin. To be an encouragement to those people. Yet the church, what do we do? We want to cocoon ourselves. And oftentimes, it gives the church and Christian people a bad name. All they want to do is hang out with themselves. All they want to do is be with each other when we should be known for people as people who are in the world, who are trying to change a culture through the love of God. It's not only just time, but it's actually meeting needs. I meet the needs of people. We've talked about this so many times around here, five different areas of our life, right? The physical needs that we have, it might be some type of health needs. We do things to help them in their physical need. It might be emotional. There are people who struggle with depression or anxiety or uh, a lot of different type of emotional issues. It might be that we can help them find a sense of, uh, of more value and um, uh, self-understanding that God is there to help them deal with the, the challenges of their life. 
when they feel overwhelmed by their circumstances. It might be uh, there are social things that they're going through that maybe relationships are broken apart, that we can help mend relationships, or they just need somebody. They need a friend in their life because they have no friends. It might be mental. The mental part is the decision-making part of our life. Somebody's got a big decision to make, and they need help making a really wise decision. And then the final part is the spiritual and the most important part of life, right? That we spiritually want to help them find value. We want them to find what they're looking for. That the God that they need is the God who gives them value, who gives them purpose, who gives them hope, the things that we are desiring in our life, to help them discover that in our lives. That's what Jesus did. He came to meet needs in order to win the right to be heard so that he could tell people about God's love for them. And he revealed that through how he lived. His ultimate act was that of sacrifice, giving himself on the cross. When Jesus died on the cross, he did that as an act of service to meet our needs. Our need is this. We are all sinful people. We do things wrong, and our sinful behavior has broken our relationship with God. And the only way we can have a relationship with God is for that sin to be forgiven. We've got a social need in our connection with God. You can think of it that way. We don't have a relationship with Him. So there needs to be forgiveness. So how does forgiveness come? Well, there has to be a punishment for our mistakes, our bad things that we've done wrong. There's a penalty for that. And it's death. And Jesus, even though he did no wrong, decided to take the punishment for us so that we didn't have to, so that we could be forgiven of our sins. He gave his life so that we could have our need met. That's what Jesus did. It's called sacrifice. And that's what adds weight to our meeting needs. When we sacrifice things, in order to meet somebody's need, whether it's physical or emotional or social or mental, or whatever it might be, when we give up things for the good of someone else, it proves and reveals our love to them. It's really easy to meet needs when it's easy. But when we meet needs, when we have to give up something to be able to do it, it tells that person, you really do matter. You really are valuable. It's important to them. Let's look at... A second thing, number two on your outline sheet, it's this. People believe me when I live like I believe in God. <laughs> what does that mean? Obviously, I'm supposed to live like I believe in God. This has everything to do with our character. I'm thinking about God, and I want God to be seen through how it is that I live my life. I, I read a really great poem about character. It goes like this. It says, be careful of your thoughts, for your thoughts become your words. Be careful of your words, for your words become your deeds. Be careful of your deeds, for your deeds become your habits. Be careful of your habits, for your habits become your character. And be careful of your character, for your character becomes your destiny. In other words, your character causes you to accomplish what you accomplish in your life. Your destiny is what you're able to do with your life. So if our destiny is to lead people to have a relationship with God, I need to make sure that I have the character that's leading people to have a relationship with God. If not, I've got a problem. So what is character then? Let's define it on your outline sheet. The word character means this, the combination of traits that form the individual nature of some person or thing. So there are some traits 
that are combined that lead us to be who we are in character. And it begins with what we think about. So let's start there. I think about God. Now, we all think about our God, whoever our God is, because our God's the most important person to us, right? We've already learned that. But we're talking about if we're Christians and are living a believable life about God, God the Father, right? He is our God. I think about God. He desires that people have a relationship with him to meet that social need and to have value, purpose, and hope. Where did we hear those before? These are the three things that all of us desire. These are our wants. We all want value, to be loved, and to have somebody love us back, right? We all want purpose, and we all want to have hope that we have a better future. All of us. So we know this is God's desire. I know When I'm thinking about whatever it is that I'm going to do in my life, I know this is God's desire. Therefore, because I know this is God's desire for these things to happen, it should affect my behavior to make sure those things happen. Listen, for everyone. Did you hear what I just said? Not for some people, but for everyone. Jesus came so that everyone could be saved, not just the people that he liked. Not just the people that he thought deserved it. No one deserved it. He came for everyone. That means even the people that I don't like. And y'all, I'll just be honest with you. There are some people I do not like. Do not judge me. You are the same way. I know it. There are people that we don't like. It might be personality. It might be this. It might be this. But there are some people you don't like because they did something to you. And you have a hard time with it because they did this to you. And you don't like it that they did this to you. It's just natural for us to feel that way, right? But we still are supposed to love these people. Even the person who I don't like because they treated me in such a way, God still desires to have a relationship with them and for that person to have value, purpose, and hope. He wants it for that person too. Which means I need to be careful about my behavior as I act toward everyone. Like what? Next statement. It's this. It's about what I say. I think about God. I say what God would say. God would say things to help people know they are loved. Right? Discover the truth. What is the truth? The truth is that God is the one who provides value, purpose, and hope in our life. That's the truth. Material things don't provide these three things. Nothing of the world provides these three things. The truth is that God provides these three things, and he wants us to improve. God wants people to improve. He wants us to get better. He wants us to be more Christ-like as we live. In other words, he wants us to be more loving people because that's what we're supposed to do is to love others around us. So what I say should lead people to experience that. Because of how I said what I said to you, you know I love you because I said it in a loving way. Because I said what I said to you, I'm saying it so that you find the truth, value and purpose and hope. That's why I said it. I'm saying what I'm saying to you because I want you to improve. I want you to be better in areas of your weakness. It's not only what we say, though. It's what we do. I do what God would do. The exact same statement, y'all. God would do things to help people know they are loved, discover the truth, and improve. That's what he would do. These are the traits. My character is defined by what I think, by what I say, and what I do. 
is my character revealing God? Would God have this thought? Would God say these words? Would God do these things? This is how I'm supposed to live. In everything that we do, we are to bring glory to him. That's what the scripture says. Paul said it in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all by the glory of God. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews, Greeks, or the church of God, even as I try to please everyone in every way. For I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. They can find the light of Christ, right? Follow my example as I have followed the example of Christ. This is awesome. So we just follow the example of Christ. This is great. This is how we do it. This is when we become believable. Until we don't. Until we're not Christ-like. I mean, it's great that Paul said this, but Paul wasn't always Christ-like. He can say this in a moment when he was Christ-like. Follow my example as I'm living like Christ. We should want everyone to follow our example as we're following like Christ. But when we're not following the example of Christ, we don't want people to follow our example. Paul was like all of us. We're all sinful people and do things wrong. So then what? Can I no longer be believable? What do I do then? You can still be believable. Y'all, this is awesome, is it not? How, you may ask. Aren't you glad you came to church today? Number three. People believe me when I know my weaknesses and I am open about my failures. Isn't this the problem with people and their, how they feel about Christians? They say one thing and they do another. They pretend to be these great people, but they're not really great people because they're doing these things. They don't, they're not open about who they are, and the problems that, that they have in their life. I mean, they make these comments about them. There's this book called Credibility. It's written by James Cousins and Barry Posner. And this is what they talked about, dealing with this whole idea of being honest about ourselves. This is what they wrote. Of all the attrib attributes of credibility, there is one that is unquestionably of greatest importance. The dimension of honesty accounts for more of the variance in believability than all of the other factors combined. This is a leadership book telling people how can you have a great influence. You have to be open about who you are. You need to be able to properly assess your mistakes, your failures, your limitations in your life, and to be open about those things with other people. In other words, y'all, we have to be transparent with others that we're not perfect people. It makes us believable. It causes us to have something in common with them. Oh, you're just like me. Yeah. I'm not pretending to be someone better than you. I'm not. I'm just like you. We're all just like each other. We're in this together. But we're also all trying to find the answer about how it is that we're supposed to live our lives together. I need to admit my mistakes. I need to be open about it. I need to begin with God. Scripture says this. Psalm 32, verse 5, I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. It's the first person I need to get honest with about the things that are going on in my life that are not righteous, that are not right, that are not Christ-like as I live my life. And once I confess to the Lord, we need to be people who confess to each other. The book of James says this. It talks about it. Therefore, confess your sins to each other. 
And pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. We need to be open and honest with each other about who we are. And when people see this about us again, now they feel like there's a connection that they have with us. That there's something similar between us. But the difference is this other person who's struggling with failures in their life has found an answer that I need. And that answer comes from God. It comes from somewhere greater than us. But this isn't enough. It is great that we're open and honest about it, but that's not enough in itself. We have to go a step beyond that. Look at number four on your sheet. It says this, that people believe me when I make corrections to ensure that I no longer fail. In other words, this is my assessment of my life. I am messed up. I'm doing these things wrong. But I'm just not telling you my problems and say, deal with it. I'm not telling you to deal with my problems. I'm telling you, these are my problems. And this is what I'm doing to try to change. Because I don't want to be that way. I do want to be a good example. I do want to be Christ-like in these areas of my life. So therefore, I make decisions to do things to be better myself so that I can be a better example for other people. There's a term that's given for this in the Bible. It's called repentance. I've talked about it many times here. It's an old military term, right? To repent is to do an about-face. The commander would take his soldiers out. They would do their little exercises. They'd be marching along in unison. They'd say, the commander would say, repent. And they would immediately turn around and they would go the other direction. So when you heard the word repent, when they wrote this in this time, people knew exactly what they were talking about. Oh, yeah, it's to go in one direction and turn around and go the complete opposite direction. So I'm living my life for my God, not the God, whoever... I've made my God in the world. I'm living for that God, which is leading me away from God. And I realize my failures, and I want to change. So now, instead of thinking about my God, whoever that God is, a worldly God, I start thinking about that God, the right God, the God who created me and his desires. Isn't that the first thing that we did in our character? He wants to have a relationship with me. He wants me to know the truth. He wants me to live the right way. And I begin making changes in order to be the person that God wants me to make. Let me tell you what will cause you to lose your credibility very quickly. To tell people that you have a problem and not do anything about it. Completely lose your credibility. Nobody's going to listen to you. You basically have two options. Option one, be a repenter. Option two... Be a repeater. Just keep doing the same things over and over again that you've been doing that are wrong. The book of Acts talks about this in between these two statements. It has that scripture in Acts. We need to prove ourselves first to those in Damascus, then to those in Jerusalem and all Judea, and then to the Gentiles. I preach that they should repent and turn to God and demonstrate their repentance by their deeds. That's who I need to be. And the moment I do, I start having credibility and people start believing me. Fifth and final thing, and we're done. How do I know? Because it's the last statement on the sheet, okay? Number five, people believe me when I speak the truth, even when it's difficult. This is so important. Y'all, this is a love thing, that I love people enough that I want them to know the truth. What does that mean? 
I'm willing to tell them the truth. Y'all have heard this statement before. Let's write it down on, on our sheets. I don't tell people what they want to hear. I tell people what they need to hear. I tell people what they want to hear when I want to make sure there's no conflict between us and they like me. Right? That, that there's no issues between us. I tell them what they need to hear when I want the best for them. When I want them to be benefited. I love them and I want the best for them. My willingness to be able to say things to someone else knowing that I'm risking conflict with this person causes me to have credibility. It says, I believe in what I'm saying enough that I know that it may cause us a problem, but I believe it's true that much. And I believe it's the best thing for you. They may initially have a problem and have conflict, but hopefully when they think about your willingness to do it, even knowing that potentially could happen, it causes you to be believable. They cared enough that they would tell me the truth. We need to tell the truth. That's what God was all about. We read about it in the Word, right? In the Bible, it says this uh, in the Scripture in Isaiah 45. It says this, I have not spoken in secret from somewhere in a land of darkness. I have not said to Jacob's descendants, seek me in vain. I, the Lord, speak the truth. I declare what is right. So if we're going to be a person of his character, we have to speak the truth about what is right. But we have to do it in a certain way. Let's write it down. Here it is. I speak the truth in love. And y'all, that comes straight from the scripture. We read it again from something that Paul wrote in Ephesians 4, who said, Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is, Christ. We speak the truth in love. So I want you to, to practically think about what that looks like. When I speak the truth in love, I do not condemn I do not judge other people. In fact, if I condemn and I judge other people, I want you to hear this, it's kind of deep, all right? But if I condemn or I judge other people, it's keeping them from having one of their desires met. You remember the desire that we have of hope? Hope says that my future can be better. If I condemn you and I judge you, I'm saying there's no hope for you. You're a terrible person. That's what I'm saying. And that's not what we're supposed to do. I know that because Jesus himself was the example. After John 3.16, y'all, there's a 3.17. Look at what it says. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Y'all, this is awesome. You know what he did? He didn't come to condemn and judge. He came to forgive so that their lives could be better. That's what he did. He didn't discourage them. There's no hope for you. He encouraged them. This is a better way. We want you to change because this is a better way. Your life is going to be so much different. You're going to find what you're looking for in God if you'll turn away from whatever your God is to the God who values you, who gives you purpose, and who gives you hope. That's what you need in your life. And when we do that, when we encourage, people find joy. Because that's love. 
And love brings joy and causes the light to come on. So I want to ask you a question today. Should people believe you? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes right now. It may be today that you're not a Christian and you've been looking for answers. The really great thing about the scripture and the things that we've learned today is this. We've learned that God is the one that we really need because he meets our desires. Again, he loves us. He loves us back. He gives us significance and purpose to benefit other people, to show his love toward others. He gives us hope. He's big enough for anything that we face in life and gives us the hope of eternity with him in heaven. It just makes sense that he's the one that we need. It may be that you haven't given your life to him. It might be because of Christian people who have given him a bad name. I hope that's not the case. But there may be some other reason why you haven't. But today, you hear the truth and you know really what you need. You need him. The Bible tells us if we call on the name of the Lord, we'll be saved. In other words, we'll have a relationship with him. We'll be saved from being separated from God to now being connected with God and being in his family. And we do it through prayer. And I want to help you right now pray a prayer accepting what Jesus did for you which allows you to be forgiven of your sin which allows you to be connected with God personally so I just want you to think about God right now sitting on his throne and I would just encourage you to say these words to him silently if you want to be a part of his family just say these words dear God I know you love me and I don't deserve it I do things wrong and I'm sorry I know you sent Jesus to die on the cross to take the punishment for my sins and to be resurrected to defeat death forever. Jesus, thank you for what you did for me. I accept what you did for me. And I commit my life to follow you as the leader that I need. If you just pray that prayer a minute, God hears us. He says yes to us. He accepts us. And we want to celebrate that with you. There's a card in the pocket in the seat in front of you that says the journey begins. And there's a prayer on there. It's very similar to what I just led you in. It has a place for you. You can write your name down on it to let us know that you've given your, your life to Christ. We would love to, to just encourage you and help you. In fact, we'd love to give you a Bible and to give you a devotional book to help you as you begin your journey. Back in the back, in the corner, to my right and to your left... There are two banners that say the journey begins. There's some high top tables back there. We have uh, one of our counselors back there already as well. We would love to just encourage you and give you a Bible and that devotional book. So in just a moment, I'm going to encourage you to head back there so that you can get that if you've made that decision today to give your life to Christ. We want to be a support to you and to help you as you begin this journey. It may be today that you're a Christian, but you're not living a believable life. You're not leading people to come to know God because there are some things that are going on that you know you need to change. And maybe God's used this message today to just put a big spotlight on whatever that is. And I would encourage you to get honest with God, to confess that to God and just, be, just agree with Him about what He already knows about you. Yes, God, I've got this problem. I'm living for this. Something else is my God and you haven't been. And I've been living for the wrong desires. And God, I want you to be my desire. 
God, I want to desire people to have a relationship with you and to know the truth and to be valued and all these things that we've learned today. God, help me to change. God, help me know what I need to do to change my life. And maybe you need to make some type of commitment to get involved in something that's going to lead to a change of behavior for you. I believe God's speaking to you. His Spirit's here in this room, and I believe that He's telling you what you need to do. So in just a moment, we're going to have prayer, and I would encourage you to pray. If you want to pray with someone about that, we have staff down at the front, right here in front of the stage, that would love to pray for you. It might be that you have some other kind of prayer need in your life that has nothing to do with this message. It might be you have some need that you have or have somebody that you want to pray for. It might be something completely different. Our staff are here to pray, pray with you. They would love to pray with you about whatever it is that you need. So we're about to stand, and I'm going to ask you not to look around. We're about to stand, going to hear a song. If you accepted Christ, if you prayed that prayer, I'd love to, you, even during the song, okay, to head back there to those high tops. Head back there. We'd love to give you that Bible and devotional book. Or if you need prayer, any type of form, or just want to come and kneel at the front of these chairs or wherever, we encourage you to do that. Or just pray where you are, whatever God is leading you to do. So let's all stand right now. Heads bowed and eyes closed. You come as God leads you. Searching for answers far and wide. We're all searching for answers. Only you provide, cause you know just what we need before. Say your word, you're a good, good father. invite anyone. He's like, if you want to sing with the band, sing along with them as we go through this chorus one more time.
God, thank you so much for what you've taught us today. I thank you, God, for being present with us. I thank you, God, that you brought people into our lives who need to hear truth, who need to hear love. God, that they're valued. God, that they have purpose, that they can have hope in you. And I pray that you would just open up those opportunities for us. God, I pray that we would think about who who are we spending our time with? Are we just protecting ourselves away from the world instead of finding people to engage in this world who need the message of love so that there can be change in their heart? God, I pray that you would help us see those who need that message this week. Be with us as we prepare to come and celebrate you this Friday and also on Easter. God, that we would not only realize that we have hope, but God, that we have the answer for other people to have that hope as well. So use us, God, to be your servants wherever we are. Use us, God, to help people know that you care. And I pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen and amen.